With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is Sasha Marina. I'm your host, and you're tuned into TSMS Radio. Today's segment is Let's Talk Business, and I have science professional Ashley Banks. And the reason why I say science professional is because this young lady has taken, um, I guess, just the whole industry of cancer research um, in her hands. She comes from a a background um, that, unfortunately, her her mother caught uh, cancer and um, therefore, you know, is no longer with us, but that she took that into the heart and, uh, you know, decided to learn more about it and see, I guess, one more brain working towards cancer research can't hurt. So this young lady has done just that. Uh, She is a neuroscience um, major as well. Uh, Not only is she a science professional, but now she's also transitioned somewhat into writing and becoming an author uh, for children's books. So that is a lot. I mean, and anyone knows um, medicine takes many, many years in school. So that alone, plus um, side hobbies such as writing and children's books, plus being an entrepreneur of herself, that takes a lot of work. And, um, you know, what we do here at TSMS Radio, we'd like to shine the light at the, in these individuals that are just very special and do very special things for uh, the world without us even knowing it, you know, and being someone in part of cancer research, that's very important because, I mean, cancer, it's just something that unfortunately takes a lot of lives and uh, or simply is a disease that a lot of people have to deal with and there's no necessary recovery from it. So uh, with all that being said, uh, I'd like to introduce Miss Ashley Banks um, into our show tonight. Hi, Ashley. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, sweetheart. Well, thank you uh, for taking your time, first off, speaking with he, uh, with us here tonight. And yeah, um, you do so many things, Ashley. I'm, I'm sure you, you, you know, people pat you on the back all the time. You're very special uh, with the time that you take into cancer research, most importantly. Um, you know, I kind of touch a, a little base, you know, based on your bio of, of why the interest of cancer research and such. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's probably something that comes uh, from the heart. But what was there anything more than that situation that happened in your life that kind of got you really wanting to be in the science industry and the research industry? Um, I think for me, I've always loved science, Um, you know, but it was, it was mainly that situation, um, you know, and losing my mom that really just kind of just took my drive, um, you know, into, into a whole nother level. Um, it was just one of those situations where I just remember seeing her go through so much and just, you know, remembering how sad I was, how confused I was. Um, 
and not understanding that, you know, the only thing that I could think about was I didn't want another little girl to feel this way. It felt so bad that I didn't want anyone else to have to experience it. So, you know, from elementary school on up, I just, I knew that I wanted to be a doctor. There was nothing else, you know, that I really thought about doing um, or that I had a passion for doing um, besides this. Um, And being in the industry now um, that I've always wanted, seeing the patients that I do have and speaking with their families and having these great relationships with them, it only, you know, further um, my my desire to want to, wanna, you know, go even further um, or as far as possible um, into cancer research. Definitely. And um, as a young girl, you mentioned elementary. Is that when you found out your mom was diagnosed? Yes. Um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was four years old. Um, so I, I believe I was in about kindergarten. And then she passed away in the middle of my kindergarten year when I was six. Oh, wow. So then my question is completely invalid. You know, sometimes when we're a little older, I, I, you know, I wanted to know if, if you had ever even heard of that disease. But obviously at the young age of four years old, you have never even heard of what cancer is. So therefore, like you said, right. you're confused, you're scared, you don't know what it is. Um, and then, you know, it's just something that no one's really prepared for because you know, I'm sure that she went through her chemotherapies and at the end it didn't mm-hmm. quite go through. And then others go through their chemotherapy and they, they you know, they, they get a couple more years in their life, but it's never forever. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, I know that sometimes research, there's some classified things that can't really be said, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. publicly. But what is it towards that gears you towards the cancer research? And what is it about cancer research that we, we all need to know as, as a society? Because everyone has a family member or a friend of a family member or someone that has cancer. It's that common nowadays. Like someone has something. I mean, personally, I've, I've, I've had my grandparent, my godfather, grandfather pass away from pancreatic cancer. Um, and that was very, very drastic as well because I knew him as a very um, healthy, strong, like thick bone man. And by the time he was done, um, he was practically a skeleton it's it was very graphic you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and I personally never really knew what cancer could really do to you until you see it in person so what is it about cancer research that we as a community and as a you know as citizens of the U.S. I'd say that we can help besides you know just the fundraising because there's a lot of awesome profits for that fund cancer research absolutely Um, I would definitely say um, an understanding back before when when my mom was going through, you know, her cancer treatments, chemo, um, you know, was definitely extremely harsh. It was, it was insanely harsh for the body. And, you know, it, it still is today. Um, there are certain chemo therapies that are um, a little uh, less um, aggressive than others. But at the end of the day, chemotherapy is cytotoxic chemicals going into the body. Um, and what I always like to tell a lot of people, you know, it's it's one of those treatments to where you're exposing these chemicals, in, you know, in your body and it's going in your bloodstream and they're killing both, you know, it's killing both good and bad cells. So it's killing the things that are helping to, you know, fight the cancer and it's killing those cancer cells um, simultaneously. That's a lot of the times why people feel, you know, weak or uh, nauseous or they're losing weight or they're having a ton of, you know, all of these uh, reactions, unpleasant and undesirable reactions. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's chemicals, you know, foreign, foreign bodies, hazardous bodies going in the body. Um, 
what I would tell anyone, and like I tell, you know, any of my friends, my family, um, strangers on the street that approach me about it, you know, it's, it's all about taking care of ourselves now. Um, I mean, and there's so many different things with, with lifestyle choices. You can exercise um, a lot. People would be so surprised how much, you know, walking even one mile a day, um, how far that goes. I mean, eating uh, correctly. Uh, there's been so many different studies, scientifically proven that, there are certain processed meats, processed foods that have an increased risk of you developing cancer. You know, those statistics aren't made up. That's real. That's part of the reason why we have cancer research teams, you know, to understand what triggers cancer, what makes it grow, what helps it, you know, to not grow, what, you know, factors go into preventative efforts. Um, so, I mean, that's, I think every, all of the knowledge that, that I gain, I've always said that I'm going to share um, with people, um, you know, in a, in a legal sense as much as I can. Um, but I mean, definitely in, in focusing on, focusing on taking care of your body now and understanding that a lot of people used to say, you know, cancer is an old person's disease, but that's just absolutely not true anymore. Um, I have patients who are unfortunately, you know, battling stage four cancer and they're 25 and 26 years old right now. Yeah. You know, you just to backtrack a little bit, going back to how you eat and how your lifestyle can somewhat contribute in the, in the future to um, being diagnosed. I mean, no one ever knows. I've seen, uh, I mean, there's as you've seen, there's many kids that are somewhat, they get it at a young age, and then there's others that get it at an older age. And then there's other people that you're like, oh, my God, he was such a healthy person. Like I said, like my grandfather, he was such a healthy, fit, like, person. He, he had his mm -hmm. farm, and he liked to work, and that was his whole life. Mm -hmm. And somehow, some some way, you know, he was diagnosed with that at a, at a late stage as well, because that's a problem, too. You know, sometimes we don't catch right. our bodies acting differently in time before you get diagnosed right. and you're already at a stage three and it's kind of like, Oh wow. Like can we, can we even like, you know, save this? Um, mm -hmm. And going back to, to food, you know, I was yesterday in our show, we had a, um, a spiritual life coach and she's vegan of course. And she was talking about how certain foods made her feel a certain way and how, you know, some foods unfortunately are poisonous for us. And, you know, we have, mm -hmm. we, we go to the grocery store and they're there to buy They're they're available for us, but it's up to us as human beings to be disciplined and know what we're putting into our bodies, you know, and it's hard when, um, these things are just, you know, pretty much just put in our faces to, to buy and it's harming us at the same time how can one go about just changing that small thing in their lifestyle to a healthier future yeah um so that's a great question and you know that's fantastic that your listeners got some insight um into veganism i'm i've actually been vegan for two years um now my son um who's eight has been vegetarian for two and you know it 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 does take, you know, that initial willpower, but at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, you know, is this unhealthy food worth shaving potential years of my life off of, you know, and for me, that wasn't a hard decisional choice to make, especially since I know that cancer runs in my family. Um, you know, there are certain cancers that are uh, hereditary um, and breast cancer being one of those. So, you know, since my mother was diagnosed at such a young age at 36, I knew that taking care of myself, my, you know, health is, was always going to have to be a top priority. I was told that 
since um, eight or nine years old from my primary care physicians. You know, everything for me was going to have to be done a lot earlier than most people, mammograms, um, you know, self-breast exams, things like that. I've always had yeah. to be cautious. Um, so, and I mean, with, with people, I would say that you, you have to do the thorough research for, your, for yourself. I can sit here and I can spew, you know, so many facts and cancer facts and, you know, nutritional value facts at you. But at the end of the day, you know, if you don't want it for yourself, you're not going to make that change. Um, and it, I mean, there's so many different food science documentaries. I'll always tell, you know, people to watch. And of course there's the popular, what the health, um, that is on Netflix that a lot of people have streamed, um, to understand, you know, really what the food and drug administration you know, is, is producing what, what's out there. Um, junk food, preservatives, chemicals, um, added sugar and every single thing possible that probably shouldn't even have sugar. Um, you know, it's, it's actually just, just really sad. And I think the more people try to educate themselves or really like research for themselves and look into things, the, the more they'll actually see, you know, and their eyes will be open, like, wow, this is, this isn't, you know, just this. I thought this was only this. And it really wasn't until I started urging my friends and my family to read ingredient labels, you know, read yeah. those ingredient labels and look to see what's in there. I mean, if you, chances are, if it's an ingredient listed that you can't pronounce and you're having trouble reading as an adult, it probably shouldn't be in your body. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the natural things there, the ingredients are going to be those everyday things that you can find in a typical refrigerator or tin cabinet or spice rack. That's how you want to be eating. And, you know, unfortunately in this time, it, it is expensive. It can be expensive to eat that way. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I just see it as it's a small price to pay now versus later on down the line, you know, and my cancer medical bills are $150,000, you know, for the entire year for treatments and visits. Um, yeah. so it's, it's really, it's, it's really all about, um, educating yourself, doing your thorough research and just, and just going into it with the right reasons, you know, that, that willpower that is going to be, you know, what, what pushes people, you have to have that intrinsic motivation. You know, yeah, you, you did mention a lot of things there and that, that one thing that you said that if you cannot pronounce what's on your food label, you know, I've been hearing that for the past few years now and it's completely true. We've, I, I have my husband now and when I first met him, I was an average Cuban girl. Um, and that, as you can imagine, being Caribbean, we eat everything. We eat from pork, beef, turkey, I mean, anything, anything, <laughs> you know, and um, that's how I was raised. And I thought that was a, a fine way to eat. And when I met my, my now husband, he had a complete different way of eating. He kind of opened my eyes into everything that that I was eating every day, you know, eating pork every day, let alone eating all these things with high fructose corn syrup and things like that, that you don't mm -hmm. really realize because you're brought up on it. So once you have your eyes open and you're like, wow, like, really? And you start tasting things that don't necessarily have all those extra poisonous additives, it tastes different. You feel better. And, it, and it's really true. It's just a matter of being disciplined with it. And that's something that is hard to be disciplined only because it's not accessible everywhere. And for you to mm -hmm. be successful in that lifestyle, as, as you're, you're pretty 
aware that you have to, someone takes those foods along with you. Um, it's not necessarily that you can walk into a restaurant and have that healthy meal. They're waiting for you. So it takes discipline and it takes research, like you said, to, to be successful in that lifestyle. Um, but it's not impossible. And like you said, it's very important right. for, for your bodies and, and for our future. Um, all of that being said, we have so much to talk about. Um, I want to kind of uh, gear towards your becoming an author and what fills mm-hmm. you up inside with wanting to write uh, children's books now. What is that all about? Yeah, so um, it's kind of something that I've always uh, kept in the back of my mind that I wanted to do, um, especially since I know, like I said, what the, the way that I felt and through my mind watching my mother go through all these things and, you know, having no one to fully explain them to me. Um, and I believe a lot of the times parents and adults kind of tiptoe around serious matters when it comes to children. Um, and that was definitely the case with me. Um, you know, everything was kept on a, on a need to know basis. Um, so I spent a lot of my life confused just not really understanding, you know, I could tell anybody, oh, yes, my mom died from breast cancer, but I couldn't tell you any more than that. Um, I didn't yeah. know any more than that, you know, and and it, it left me, you know, scrambling, uh, trying to fill in the pieces, and I just remember that that wasn't a good feeling at all, um, you know, and, and it, it came to a point where, you know, I would kind of isolate myself and and just feel as though nobody understood um like I had nobody to talk to um in certain situations so and and knowing all of that and knowing the issues now you know that are ever so prevalent with with mental health I mean that's this has to be fostered at a at a young age and and learning how to deal with traumatic situations um and the emotions that can linger or stem from those so that's basically what my book is about it's a it's a simplistic way of, of detailing my, my past and my childhood and seeing my mom go through that and understanding that, you know, whether something like that happens to a loved one of yours and you're sad, know that being sad is okay. If it makes you upset, you know, which is some of the emotions that I experienced as well, know that, that that is okay. If, you know, you don't know how to feel, know that is also okay. You know, there's no correct way to cope or grieve um and you shouldn't allow anyone to suggest how you should feel about something because that's also unhealthy um especially for a young person you know whatever comes natural to you and and how you you feel as though you should grow from this situation or you know whatever way makes you feel as though you've gotten the answers you want or are okay at this point in your life with what you want um you know it's 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 all about that. Um, and, and a lot of it, like I said, is just um, in helping children, because as you mentioned earlier, there's, there's someone who loses someone to cancer every single day, unfortunately. That's just what the rates are. Um, so in just helping them to understand that, you know, they're not alone. I understand. I felt that. I was there. This is a book that's hopefully, you know, relatable to, to many of those kids who are, who are like me or who are me right now. Definitely. 
you know, um, I, I applaud you for uh, taking all of that once grief into a, a better future for yourself, because at one point, of course, it was full of grief and um, somehow, some way, you know, you just had a brighter future ahead of you. Right. And uh, you're, you, I can mm-hmm. just by the way that you, you speak, you're very affirmative and you, you have, you're very, you know, strong woman, you're, you're headstrong. So um, I applaud you. you for that. I applaud you for your success in the medical industry and uh, for your future success in, in writing children's books. I think that's a great step. And, and even for yourself, you know, writing lets you, lets your mind be free. And the fact that you're writing for children, it just shows that you have a little bit more imagination. You know what I mean? You have, you still have a child mm-hmm. inside. So that's, that's wonderful. I want to know if you're doing, is there anything coming up for you? Are you going to be doing any presentations, any speaking? Because I checked out your Instagram the other day and I see that you were Mm -hmm. at a school speaking and things like that. So I don't know if you have anything to promote. Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, definitely on my, my website, which is www.gonaturallymary.com. Um, I just opened up um, pre-sale orders for my children's book um, entitled I Love You Forever. Um, as well, in the, in the pipeline for me, I'm super excited to announce I'm actually going on an HBCU tour, um, speaking at universities um, about topics such as minorities in medicine, um, oncology fundamentals, um, a day in the life of a cancer researcher, and really just helping, you know, other black and brown um, students uh, strengthen their applications for either medical school or graduate school, um, just because, you know, we, we need more doctors and scientists and researchers. Um, we're just so underrepresented. So, you know, um, I, so far I've, I've spoken at Spelman um, College, uh, Morehouse College, Clark Atlanta University, and um, actually I have Georgia State um, tomorrow. So I'm super excited for that. Um, and in the pipeline um, coming up next, uh, I it's going to be Hampton University, FAMU, and uh, Morgan State. So um, just really just taking this tour um, everywhere, trying to hit um, at least 20 different um, universities and colleges is my goal um, and, and just promote. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, thank you for bringing awareness into cancer research. Um, it's not very something that you find everywhere. You know, there's always people that 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 talk about medicine and and you know and uh, spiritual medicine and holistic medicine and things like that. But there's not many people uh, speaking about cancer research and how important it is. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you taking the time to do that here, bringing awareness and again bringing awareness to the lifestyle of someone that has gone through the loss of cancer because that's very important important too. It's not just the cure, but also being there, um, you know, uh, psychologically, like you mentioned earlier. So that's very important that we all open our eyes to that because if an adult is feeling bad and, you know, and they don't know how to take themselves out of that dump, imagine a child going through that. I I can only imagine it feels very helpless. So um, Mm -hmm. Ashley, I appreciate your time, sweetheart. I look forward to hearing more about you. If you're ever in South Florida promoting any of your um, things, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I look forward to meeting you in the future and um everyone just stick around we have dr sabrina jackson coming up thank you uh mrs banks take care thanks so much for having me <laughs> bye-bye bye-bye
so today we have Dr. Sabrina Jackson. She is an award-winning speaker, um, and I mean, a lot more than that. Uh, sh- this whole month of February, she's been celebrating 28 days of love, which is beautiful because February is a month of love, and there's only 28 days in it unless it's a leap year, but it's not this year. So she's celebrating 28 days of love, uh, speaking about love and I mean, what else comes with love, right? Um, um, it's such an intricate subject. Um, not all of us are experts. I know I'm not. So, uh, therefore, Sabrina Jackson has definitely made, um, you know, a career out of speaking about love. And, and I mean, I mean, what else is there about love? Let, let's just have her on the show and, and, and let us explain, you know, her explain to us what love is all about and what these 28 days of love mean to her. Um, hi, uh, Dr. Sabrina Jackson. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> How Thank are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited about uh, talking about the 28 Days of Love. I get excited when I think about love because love itself is an intense feeling that we will have towards a person, place, or thing. So there are people that love people, but then, yes, we can love things. We can have our favorite shoes. We can have our favorite meal. But then we also may have a place that has a a special affinity to us, and we can love that place as well. So love is just those intense feelings that we get about a person, place, or thing. You know, it is. Love is very complicated. But you mentioned, you know, people loving themselves but also loving things. I feel like now things have changed, you know, in these past decades. Things are very materialistic, Dr. Jackson. What do you think? I think I, love I, is I more than just that. loving people. <laughs> Absolutely. Love is, is so broad. And let me say this is that if we go back in history, the Greeks had over 33 different names for love. In our language, we have one, and that's love. But they have agape love. They have euros love. And so they're different types of love. And so the type of love that I have for my son of 26 years is totally different (laughs) than the type of love I'd have for my man. You know what I mean? Definitely, of course. that you know the different types of love and know how to walk in and expect the appropriate expectations of that type of love because what I find is, especially with parents, I wrote a book for parents raising males because whew, sometimes single mothers raising males, we, 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 we get, get it all wrong, and we treat yeah. our son like he's our man, and then we don't allow him to become a man, so then he's no good for no woman because he hasn't Um, strengthened that man muscle, as you will. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to understand um, what lane that you are in and the type of love that you are expressing. You know, you mentioned something that's very important to me right now. I'm raising my first baby boy. Okay. And, you know, you you, want to smother them in love. But, you know, they're a baby right now, so it's okay. They they need to feel that love from you. What is is the the bonding? Definitely, and I mean that does a uh, that does a body good, right? It does a baby's development very well to feel that motherly and, and parent bond. But what is the main mistake that we make as mothers as our child uh, grows up a little more? You see, you know, turning into we those don't six, allow, seven. 
Mm-hmm. We don't allow them to become men. And so when they get to the age, and I would say it's really right around puberty, that they begin to stretch and want to navigate the world as a young man. And so we don't allow them to make decisions. We don't allow them to have a voice. We don't allow them to stand up for themselves. And so they may become weak. They may always run back to mama. And you've heard mm-hmm. the term mama's boy. You, mm-hmm. what, what woman really wants a man to run her house that in order for him to do anything, he has to ask his mama. No. Yeah, no. We need to allow <laughs> the man to stand on his own two feet. So I remember with my son, when he was 17, there was an issue with him and his coach. And it it had my, oh, my goodness, my blood was a boiling. And I was getting ready to go up there and tell the coach off. And my son just quietly said to me, Ma, you need to let me handle this because if you come up here and tell him off or whatever, you're going to go back home. I'm still going to have to deal with him as my coach. So allow me to deal with it. And so I think that that's a a hard place for a lot of mothers to move from being the supervisor, the protector, the do everything to the just simply supporter. Um, you know, and that's great that you, you obviously had a, a certain relationship your, with your son that he could, you know, stand up to you and be like, mom, let me take care of this. But sometimes parents are overwhelming, overprotective, yes. over everything. Yes. And it scares you. You don't even, I, I mean, you know, I, my childhood was somewhat like that, very overprotective. And there were certain things that I was even scared to ask my parents just because I was scared the way they would react to it. You know what I mean? Like as simple as not being able to have sleepovers. I wouldn't even want to ask my parents if I can go to my friend's house because I assumed already that the answer was no. I already knew the answer was no. So it was like, you know, why even bother having a certain uh, relationship with your parents, more of a a friendship or a bond, and when it's kind of more of a, like you said, supervisor, overprotection, um, and things like that, that, that. kind of get you as a teenager you you look at your parents as not the bad guys but just not your friends you know what I mean because you love them you live with them they take care of you it's they're just not your closest friends how does one not commit that mistake with their own you know what I mean well one of the things that I suggest to people is that you need to be an example for your children, especially in the teen years of real life. And what I mean by that is that they need to see you beyond just as their parent because you are more than a parent. You're a sister. You're someone's friend. You may be a significant other. So one of the things that I remember is when my son was a teenager, I was single. I'm single now still. But anyway, I was single, and I was dating. And I remember my son saying to me, He says, I really liked, as he got older, he said to me, he really appreciated being able to see me in a different light, being able to see me being treated well by someone, being able to see a man open my door, pull my chair out, things of that nature. Because if you think about it, the number one way to teach a social or behavioral skill is by modeling it. And a lot of young people don't have a model. And so when they get into that heat, they start looking at um, Facebook, they start looking at social media, they start looking at reality TV. And no, you want to be the influencer in your child's yeah. life. And you have to be able to be open to being a real person and not just the parent. 
you know, you just mentioned a great leeway to another part of our love conversation, social media. Dr. Jackson, I think that social media has taken love on a different spectrum. There's a complete different branch of love coming from social media. You know what I mean? Uh, Social media is somewhat of a kind of poisonous thing that we all like. You know, it's like a chocolate cake. We know you you shouldn't eat all of it, but you want it, right? You you taste so good, you just want to eat all of it. And it it harms you at the end of the day. You know, you're going to have high blood sugar. You might be diabetic in your future for eating so much cake. (laughs) But the thing is that it's not good for us. And sometimes we're sucked in by it. And people are posting so many fabulous things on social media that we think that we love and that we need, but we don't. And it messes with our heads. You know, it messes with our well, relationships. This. Mm-hmm. this is so perfect because I do a segment every Tuesday on Fox 2 News locally here. And today's segment was about social media. And I talked about how social media has, even though it uses the word social, it has caused mm-hmm. us to not be social face-to-face anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to interact face-to-face. And so I gave um, tips on how to just navigate our relationships face-to-face because I was at a wedding the other, a couple of weeks ago and everybody at my table was on their phone. Nobody <laughs> was talking to each other. Everybody was on their phone. And uh, so they weren't even taking pictures. Us, they weren't taking pictures. They were on their phone scrolling through Facebook. They were scrolling through Instagram. Oh, they were not taking pictures. They were just on their phone and nobody was communicating with each other. So you need to really start thinking about what things do we need to do to just connect human to human, person to person, face to face. And how do you suggest, you know, um, Let's say if you, I personally, I'm I'm a freelancer. I do everything besides my my media company. I, I love to talk to people. I mean, t- talking to strangers is it's kind of like my forte. You know what I mean? But some other people are not like that. Some people yes. are, you know, introverts and and they're just a little shy to even say hello. And and how do you get a how do you open yourself from that? You know, how do you get get out there? Well, the first thing that you have to do is that you have to make the decision that that's what you want to do because a lot of times it starts with what we think. What we think is what we speak, and what we speak is what we create. So if we look at our life and we want, it, if we want something different, we got to be open to doing something different. So people can tell you what to do, but if you haven't made the decision, you haven't said that, yes, I'm going to try this, it's never going to work for you. So you have to make the decision that you're going to, Uh, When you meet someone, shake their hand. I remember taking classes about how to shake a hand appropriately. I hate shaking a hand that's like the little wet, little noodle type of handshake. Give (laughs) the person a nice, firm handshake. Then after that, make eye contact. You ain't got to say nothing. Just make eye contact and smile. That opens up sometimes the dialogue, the connection with the person. And then you have to initiate conversation. And initiating conversation could be something as minute as, oh, my goodness, what do you think about this weather? What do you think about this day? Or what do you think about just something to get the ball rolling? But after you open up the conversation, then you have to listen intently. What I've learned is most people don't listen. You hear but you don't listen because listening is a skill. Hearing is a bodily function. So you have to make the decision that you're going to listen 
for what the person is saying and then how you're going to engage in that conversation. And then lastly, it's just being able to engage fun and excitement in your relationships with your friends and the people that you're around. Because who wants to be around people that's all dull? Ooh. You gotta yeah. think about things that's fun, things that's gonna make you smile, things that's gonna make you laugh, things that's just gonna create that space of joy. Now, um, going back to the overall subject, love, um, I, somewhat, I, I want to talk about relationships. Um, okay. Nowadays, relationships are—I mean, not nowadays. Uh, let me let me come back to that. Um, relationships have always, at, at some point, been started at a, at a young age you know back in the day mm-hmm. people were married off at 12 13 years old okay but I mean it's not like they had a choice you know and although right. those practices are still um, established in other places of the world in the United States um, we, we still have a thing where kids are I, I say kids because mostly kids in, in middle school are starting to be sexually active at a very young right. age you know and mm-hmm. it, it kind of damages the bridge to love because you're already, you know, experiencing something that you are, you know, depending how you were raised, if you were raised, uh, you know, in, in church, you, you know, that you kind of wait for that special someone to uh, give your body to, and you're supposed right. to love that person. And now we're doing things way, way ahead of time before even knowing what love is. Absolutely. And I will say this, there's a big difference between love and lust. And then, uh-huh. you know, I think the problem that we have with our young people is that people aren't really educating them on that feeling that occurs when you first become attracted to someone. Because when you first become attracted to someone, that's called the passion stage. And in that stage, there is a chemical um, cocktail, as if you will, that happens from the brain that you have a release of oxycontin of endorphins and dopamine. And that combination makes you a little crazy. It makes you really <laughs> long to be with the person. It makes you ache when when you don't hear from them. And if you're not teaching people what that is and how to deal with it, easy for someone to get you right into being sexual. Because all those things and hormones are going on in your body. And it's a normal bodily function, but we don't teach people how to deal with it. What is the best way to, you know, this is, you've probably heard this question many times, but what is the best way to to get your child or maybe a, a little cousin or a little sister and sit them down and, and, and explain that stage in life to them? Because, you know, some people might see it as awkward, but it has well, to be I think people do someone. see it as uh, I do. So I believe, I remember telling my son, and, and I was always just a, a, a real, a matter-of-fact person, but when he went to middle school, we had moved from California back to Michigan. And so he came to school in the middle of the school year. And so what I told him, he was 12, and I said, and he's an athlete, so he's a jock. And I said, when you enter that school, those little girls are going to powwow among themselves and decide which one of them is your girlfriend. You don't even know her name. So then she's going to get on her job to make sure you know her name. She's going to do little things like see you in the hall and go, hey, how you doing? Hey. And you can go, hey. And then she's going to, you know, because they all wore uniforms. And I said, then one day she's going to have her uniform tied up in the front so that you can, like, see a little a little skin, a little belly, uh, a little belly button or something. And then you're going to go, uh-huh. oh. 
okay. Then she's going to see you in the hallway and you're out talking to your friends and she's going to rub up against you. Well, when she rubs up against you, trust and believe she's going to have your attention. And uh-huh. so we, in that moment, got to talk about what happens in the body, why it happens, how do you control yourself, what do you do to calm yourself down. And, of course, because I was a single mother, I had men also, my brothers and his uncles, who would talk to him from a man's perspective, but you got to have the conversations because it's real life stuff and it's happening. Definitely. And um, I feel like nowadays we, not now again, it's always been out there, but I feel like the media now exposes so many things that have, have never been spoken about. So I feel like now we have to take care of our boys. It's, it's good as a mother that you're very straightforward and explain to him what those things are, what, what's, it is actually going on in his body and how he should take care of himself and be cautious of young girls because in this age, you know, you have to protect your boy from being hurt by a girl making a false accusation. Um, I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but it's completely true, you know, and, and, and to, to you, you know, the, the mother, he's a sweet boy. He would never do that, but who knows? And at the end of the day, you have to teach them to protect themselves. It's so interesting that you even talk about that because as we talk about love and we talk about relationships, I remember when he was about nine or 10, one of my Mm -hmm. girlfriends says, Oh, your son's so handsome. I'm sure he's kissed a girl. And I say, he ain't kissed no girl. He ain't thinking about no girl. So I was Um, like offended that she would even say that to me. But then I was in the car with him, just he and I. And um, I said to him, I said, have you ever kissed a girl? And he said, no, but he started laughing. And I said, well, that's so funny. He said, you didn't ask me if a girl had kissed me. I said, oh, well, has a girl kissed you? And he said, yeah. And I was mortified. I said, oh, oh, oh Lord. And so you yeah. have to begin to have the conversations, even when, in your mind, it's not even a possibility. And another thing that I encourage parents to do, especially around this whole relationship and dating, um, I used to do a night out where we I called it, we would just have table talk. So we would go out to a restaurant, and any questions that he had, he could ask me, any question. And any question I had for him, I would ask him. But he was about 16, 17 when we started doing that. Oh, my God, that was so powerful. And we still wow. do it now. He's 26, and I'm 53. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, we still do it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a great relationship to have with, with your loved one. And um, I hope to have such a, such a great family-oriented relationship like that as well with my children. I, I want them to ask me anything, and without judgment. At the end of the day, we brought them exactly. to this world. Right? We can't judge them. Everyone goes through stuff. And I feel that if, if, if at some point, and, and you're more different. You would look at them much more different. Absolutely. I had a great, great relationship with my mother. My mother and I talked about everything, especially when I, uh, I think it was the most powerful when I became married and had my first child because there were things that as a married woman, after I had a baby, I didn't want to do no more. I was like, I, I got the baby. I don't want to be bothered with it. With him. Yeah. And she really yeah. helped me with that's normal to feel that way. Your hormones, your body is getting back to normal. And now you have this baby because I was breastfeeding and all of that. So she really helped me with just real life talk, real life conversation. And we want to be able to have that. 
That, that's amazing. Uh, Miss, uh, Dr. Sabrina Jackson, I, you're so full of love. I can tell, I can tell just in, in your voice and the way you express yourself. You're so beautiful. I appreciate your time oh, today. You. But before we go, I want to speak a little bit about um, your YouTube channel because I know you, um, you publish a lot of videos there and as well as yes. your books. So where can people find your books and support your work? They can support my work on my website, sabrinajackson.com, all one word, sabrinajackson.com. My books are there, the links to my social media, all of that. If people want to um, schedule a coaching session, I can do them virtually. That's fine. You can schedule them right there online. And then if you want to see the videos, and like I said, I have been doing a video every day this month focusing on some aspect of love. So we've talked about self-love. We've talked about forgiveness. we talked about what if you're the one that needs to be forgiven, how to apologize, uh, just all aspects of relationship and maintaining the relationship. And my YouTube page, you just search Dr. Sabrina Jackson, and I pop right up. Wonderful. Uh, Doctor, I appreciate your time once again um, and our words. It was a great chat. I hope to hearing more about you soon and possibly having you on the show, talking more a little bit specifically about, uh, I'd, I'd like to talk more about a specific subject in, in love, you know, something that we all, uh, that we might want to know more of. So, um, but we could definitely connect about that um, in the near future. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Okay. So you take care, sweetheart. You have a wonderful night, and um, thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. So, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today to TSMS Radio. We had some awesome guests, Ashley Banks, a neuroscience major, cancer researcher, author, turned entrepreneur. She is touring the U.S. with cancer research knowledge. Um, and Dr. Sabrina Jackson, which uh, we just jumped off the line with, she is a doctor of love, per se. She is based out of Detroit. She can do virtual coaching uh, lessons for you. Um, any coaching that you need, uh, find her at sabrinajackson.com and yeah thank you all so much for tuning in today stay tuned for our entertainment life segment this thursday at 8 p.m thank you and bye-bye with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 